0: Lord, what a beautiful, beautiful sound. All right, loved ones, great to be back with you. Let's um, open up our Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 17, jumping back into our series on Elijah. And if you do not have a copy of God's Word, put up your hand right now. Our ushers are going to be coming. Just put it up nice and high. We've got some great looking ushers coming down the aisle right now. Way to go, ushers. Come on. And uh, they want to put a copy of God's word in your lap. And if you do not have a copy of the Bible at home, then we want to give you that as a gift uh, to encourage you to continue to study God's word at home. All right. 1 Kings chapter 17 is where we're at, verses 7 to 16. 1 Kings 17, verse 7. To 16. And um, before we start, it's fitting to say, welcome, 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 Hope Ottawa, to the School of Faith. Class is in session. The School of Faith. Here we are, our series on Elijah. God's presence, power, and provision in the life of Faith. Now, here's our definition of faith that we see taken from Hebrews 11 and 2 Corinthians 5 7 and Romans 4 20 to 21. We get a practical street level definition of faith. You'll see it on the screen. Write this down it is choosing to believe God's word and obeying it in his power because he will be glorified and promises his best outcome for me. There's faith. Faith is a choice. It is a spirit-empowered choice. Faith is choosing to believe God's word and obeying it in his power, regardless of what you think the situation looks like. That's key. Regardless of how you're feeling at that moment. Feelings are great followers, but they're horrible leaders, loved ones. Regardless of what you're feeling in that moment, regardless of what you think the situation looks like, faith is choosing to believe God's word, obeying it in his power, because he will be glorified and promises his best outcome for me. Okay, quick survey. Hands up, um, if this applies to you. Uh, Do you struggle to walk by faith and not by sight in the Lord? Yeah, yeah, okay. We're all on the same page, praise the Lord. This highlights the problem, doesn't it? Unbelief. Specifically, our daily moment-by-moment problem with unbelief in the Word of God and the character of God. We have to understand, when we fail to trust God's Word, here's what we're saying to God. This is very, very important to understand Because it's not just, well, I'm a little fearful, I'm anxious. Look at what we're saying when we refuse to believe what God says is true. It's saying this, God, you're a liar. God, you are a liar. That's what our unbelief is saying. Bring on the fear, bring on the anxiety, bring on the doubt. I'm saying, God, you're a liar, I can't trust you. Are we seeing our unbelief for what it is? It's an assault on the character of God himself. A holy, perfect, faithful, promise-keeping God, and we say we can't trust you. Let's just see it for what it is, and the seriousness of it, if we're going to get serious about it. And the result of unbelief is right here. Fear. Fear. And from that, so many other things. Because instead of pressing into the Lord in that moment, oh, God says this, God's Word says this, instead of pressing into the Lord in that moment and trusting in Him, and following Him along the path of faith by His Word, as we're called, what do we do? Where does unbelief take us? We shrink back. We shrink back and walk the path of fear, which ultimately, loved ones, is the path of sin. Don't believe me? Romans 14.23 makes it so clear. Whatever is not done by faith is sin. Everyone say, ouch. I know, we're only like three minutes into the sermon. It's like, ouch, come on, man. Let's see it for what it is. It's not just, well, yeah, that's just me. I just no, It's an assault. and I'm preaching to myself right now. And what happens is we miss seeing God's glory through his power and presence and comfort and provision and strength and joy and peace and advancing his kingdom in our lives and the lives of those around us. But I want to encourage us, as serious as this is, I wanna encourage us with this, it doesn't have to be this way. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, there's great news today. You don't have to live life gripped in the trap of unbelief. You do not have to do that. And if you're not saved in Jesus Christ, I'm telling you today, loved one, he offers a release and freedom from the grip of fear on your life. Why? Why doesn't it have to be this way? Here's why. Here's what all hinges on. God is faithful. That's why. That's why we don't have to live in fear, because God is faithful and He keeps His word. You're going to hear that repeated again and again and again. So here's what we're going to do. Hey kids, eyes up. Love seeing your eyes. Love it. Hey, what's going on? Love it. Here's the deal, kids. We're going to play a little game throughout this sermon. Okay? I'm going to say I'm going to say the cue, and I want you to pick it up. Pay attention. It is. God always, I'll say that, and then congregation, you respond, keeps his word. Okay? Let's practice. Ready? God always. Say it again. God always. All right, we're getting the hang of it. Okay, stay tuned when you hear God always, kids. And I want you to write down how many times I ask you to do it. Okay, here we go. Okay. God always keeps his word, and here's the big idea for the text today, because, you'll see it on the screen, because God is faithful to keep his word, we must walk by faith, not fear. There it is. Because God is faithful, Satan will do all he can to get you to mistrust God, and the word of God Because he knows this truth better than you or I do. That because God is faithful to keep his word, we must walk by faith, not by fear. You say, how do we do this? How do we put that faith into action? Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to Elijah. An ordinary man like you and I in the hands of an extraordinary God. Amen? And we're going to see three truths through Elijah today. That we must believe and increasingly live out in God's power, if we are to walk by faith on the Word of God, in the power of God, for the glory of God, no matter what situation we face. You ready for some faith fuel? All right, let's go. 1 Kings 17, let's stand to honor the authority of God's Word. 1 Kings chapter 17, starting at verse 7, reading up to and including 16. All right, ready? Here we go, nice and loud. Let's go, kids, nice and loud. Come on. And after a while, the brook dried up, because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first, make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent, And the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did, as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Awesome. And all God's people said amen all right have a seat let's go get your pens ready here we go first thing we see is this to walk the path of faith not fear number one ready you must trust that god has a plan why because he's sovereign to walk the path of faith not fear when you get out of bed tomorrow when you hit the the ground running on monday to walk the path of faith not fear we always have that choice we must trust that God has a plan and he's sovereign. Question. God is sovereign and has a plan. Will you trust his word when you can't see? There it is. Will you trust his word when the ducks aren't all lined up in a row? Let's get our context. Here we are. 871 BC. We're east of the Jordan River in the wilderness. And we're at the Careth Brook. Or the Kareth Ravine. You'll see a picture of it on here. There, there's the Kareth Ravine. Elijah has been there for close now to three and a half years. It's about three to three and a half year time frame between verse 6 and verse 7. Okay? So he's been there for three, three and a half years. He's been in the um, what we call the prophet protection program. Okay God has taken him out to the Careth ravine he's been sent here by God to hide after confronting King Ahab at the start of chapter 17 and King Ahab uh, as you can see in 1 Kings 1633 he was the most wicked king in Israel's history up to that point okay now why did Elijah have to go into the ravine why did God send him out there well Because Elijah told Ahab that because of his sin, Ahab's sin, and leading God's people in Israel to sin by worshiping other gods, predominantly Baal, but many others as well, the Lord would bring upon the land a devastating drought as a consequence. What he promised to do in Deuteronomy 11 if they worship false gods. Here it goes. Ready? Okay, guys. God always... There it is, Deuteronomy 11. He promised that would happen if they turned from other gods. All right, and this is the worst. Israel right now is a cesspool of rampant wickedness, paganism, idolatry, the worst it's ever been, as we see in 1 Kings 16. And Elijah declared that this drought would only end when he, that is, God, said it would through Elijah. Okay, So Elijah's been praying fervently that it wouldn't end, this drought, until God desires it. And Elijah's been, <laughs> Elijah's been drinking from the brook, and he's being fed by ravens day and night that God commanded to feed him. Look at the picture here. So he's in this ravine. This is like a picture of Elijah's uh, day by day. He's going to meet the ravens, and he's getting, he's getting a feeding from them. Remember we said 9th uh, century B.C. Uber right there on wings taking flight. And so this is it. Now, why did the ravens go? Because God's commanded them. Why did they do that? Because God always keeps his word. There it is. God always keeps his word. And now here we are three years later. Look at verses 7 to 10, the first half of 10. And after a while, the birds have been coming. It's been drinking out of the brook. The brook dries up. Uh-oh. Now we got a problem. The brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, that is, Elijah. He said, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and I will dwell there and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. The brook dries up. Now, you might not think, well, it's a brook. Like, what's the big deal? Don't forget, they're in the middle of a severe drought. Water was the life source. The physical life source. No water, no life. You're in trouble. And now the brook dries up. And at the same time, notice the timing of God. Brook dries up, and he speaks to Elijah again. See that? He knows. So here comes his word again. In his sovereignty and his love for Elijah, he speaks to again at that very time. And he tells Elijah, notice the text, he tells Elijah to leave the Careth ravine and head for a town called Zarephath and stay there. Now, here's what we have to understand about what God's asking Elijah to do. It's like, oh, any place would be better than that ravine, huh? Not exactly. This is not, Zarephath is not the spot Elijah, or you and I for that matter, would have chosen. And and doesn't God often do this? Take us to places we wouldn't have chosen on our own? Doesn't he often do this? Welcome to the school of faith. Situations we wouldn't have chosen? Welcome to the school of faith. Here's what Zarephath means. Write this down. The Hebrew word for Zebra, this is so beautiful. This is why when you study God's word, first off, here you go, loved ones, side point, make time for it every day. Don't do a little flyby. He says, be still and know that I am God. It's not be rushed out the door and know that I'm God. Be still. When you get in front of God's word, make time for it. Block out the distractions. Here's what else I'm going to say. Grab a few really good commentaries. If you're wondering what to do, ask Kevin or myself. We'll recommend them. It's wonderful. To help study God's Word. Because here's the key. Zarephath. You're like, oh, it's a place called Zarephath. Do you know what Zarephath means? Look at the Lord. Nothing is wasted. Nothing is random. Zarephath means the smelting place. It means the place of refining. You've been to Zarephath lately? you think God does random? He's not like randomly pinpointing a spot on a map. He's sending Elijah to the place of refining. And actually, um, we get the word furnace from the same word. He's sending him into the furnace. Name, the name reflects exactly what God is doing. God is sending Elijah into the furnace of faith. Testing and refining the faith of Elijah. And what we'll see in a few moments is this widow as well and her son. Here's the key we have to understand first. If we're going to walk the path of faith and not fear and trusting God, you'll see it on the screen right now. The, we have to realize this. The path of faith most often goes through the smelting place. The path of faith most often goes through the smelting place, the place of refining, the place where it's tested, Why? Because the furnace is where the greatest intimacy with God is experienced. The furnace, when all those impurities of unbelief and sin are getting melted away, and yes, it hurts sometimes, loved ones, but that is the place and opportunity of greatest intimacy that you will ever know. When you just feel you're in that furnace, you're getting crushed, and the hammer and the file and the furnace of the Lord are coming, but yet you trust in the love of the one who holds the hammer. It's the place you will find the greatest intimacy that you will ever know. And the greatest love you could ever have. His joy, his love, his comfort, all the stuff and all the idols we run to are just smelted away. And all we have is him. His, his provision, his strength, and you find out he's enough. And what God does in the smelting place, what he's about to do with Elijah, what he does with you and me, what he's about to do with this widow, he erases the doubts, showing that he's trustworthy. He shows he's trustworthy. And here's what he does with us when he takes us to the furnace and then we follow him along the path of faith, even though we may be scared, even though we may be tempted to doubt. Here's what God does. He's always preparing us for what's next. God knows what Elijah doesn't. Can we agree on that? God knows Mount Carmel is coming up. God knows Mount Carmel's coming. He knows there's going to be one man, Elijah, standing toe-to-toe with 850 false prophets. 450 Baal, 400 Asherah, and he knows that Elijah needs to know that God is faithful in that moment or Elijah's compromising. He knows what's coming. Elijah has no clue. So he takes him to the smelting place. The smelting place is not a place to avoid, loved ones. It's a place to follow the Lord by faith and embrace him in it. He will purify, he will refine that's what he does. So let's get a handle on where Zarephath is. You'll see it on the screen. It's in Phoenicia, just south of Sidon, north of Tyre. So there he goes from the Kareth Brook all the way up to Zarephath. It's the region of Sidon on the Mediterranean coast. It's about, get this, 75 to 100 miles away from the Kareth Ravine. And it's not like Elijah could just call an Uber. Do you know what he's doing to get there? He's walking. Rugged mountains. Oh yeah, by the way, where are you going to stop for water? You're in a drought. The smelting place. There's no air conditioning. There's no supermarkets along the way. The ease and the comfort are gone. And here's the thing we need to understand about this. If you and I want to see the promise of God, you must be willing to move and sacrifice. Remember Joshua, when he asked the Lord to set the sun, stand still? Man, we love to ask the Lord to set the sun, stand still. Do you know what they had to do before that? They marched all night up to Gibeon. All night. Are you willing to move? Are you willing to make the sacrifices needed to make to see the provision? See, it's like, God, provide me, but I don't want to change anything. That's not how it works. That's not where the furnace will ever take you. He's going right into the heart of enemy territory in Zarephath. It's literally the center of Baal worship. It is ruled by King Etbal. Etbal, who is Ahab's father-in-law, Jezebel's dad, and remember, Jezebel, Ahab's wife, wants to kill all the prophets of God, and she wants Elijah dead, and here's God sending him to that. Would you choose Zarephath? Would you go there? See where, God, see where the path of faith is leading him? Right into the heartland of Baal worship. And God tells Elijah to go, and that he had, notice the text, he says, verse 9, he says, I have commanded a widow to feed you. In his sovereignty, he commanded a widow to feed him when he got there. Now, verse 9 there, circle the word commanded, it actually means appointed. There is no indication whatsoever in God's word that God had a conversation with this lady beforehand. So what he's done is he's appointed in his sovereignty that widow predisposed her heart to be at the place where he needed her to be so Elijah could meet her. That's why Proverbs 21 says the heart of man is like a stream of water in the hands of the Lord. He just turns it any way he wishes. You think it's a coincidence? It's not a coincidence. God's working. He's sovereign. He's got a plan. Amen? He's got a plan. And sure enough, notice the text when Elijah reaches the gate or entrance of the city, notice verse ten it says, "Behold, who's there?" The widow. Yeah, because God's got a plan. He can't be stopped. He can't be thwarted. Baal worship, pfft, drought. Pfft. I'm gonna get the widow at the gate, and I'm gonna get you there at the same time. Widow is right there at that. Pointed place and time. Moved by God to go gather sticks. Everyone say it. God always? He said he was going to meet her gathering sticks. Guess what she's doing? She's gathering sticks. And notice, put yourself in Elijah's shoes here. This is amazing. Don't skip over it. (laughs) Look at the path of faith God's put him on. You've seen, over the last three years, drought's been getting more severe, more intense. You've seen this brook drying up, haven't you? At first, oh, the Carith brook, here comes the water. Oh, yeah, it's all good. Then next year, oh, a little bit bit less. Then next year, oh, uh, a little bit less. And then also, you see that brook going down. You see that water, uh, 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 what what would you be thinking right there? You a little panicked? Uh, God, God, um, uh, the water, the water's going down. Just want to let you know. He's like, I know. Water's going down. Would you start to panic? And then, as it dries up, God is sending you a hundred miles in the dust and mountains and scorching heat to the epicenter of the enemy, to the epicenter of Baal worship. And then, notice God's word. He tells you you'll be taken care of and provided by a widow. Now, that's not random. Um, Widows back... In 9th century BC, how much of a provision do you think you're going to get? Widows back then were dependent on charity from others to live. It's not like God's sending them to the Hilton. Don't we like it when God sends us there? Does it have air conditioning? Am I going to be comfortable? Am I going to be able to access the food and all that? He sends them to a widow's house. Bare minimum Provision. Man, we love our comfort, don't we? Would you go? Would I? Sends him to the widow's house, broke, destitute, dependent on others. He's not sending him to the wealthy. And then notice notice the word of God. He doesn't give Elijah the whole game plan. Don't we love God to give us the whole game plan? God, if you just tell me A, B, C, and D and how it's all going to work out, then I'll follow you by faith. Loved ones, that's not faith. He doesn't tell Elijah the whole plan. He just says, she'll meet you there. But he doesn't, notice this, he doesn't tell him where he's going to meet her. doesn't even tell him, he just says, go. You don't need to know the whole plan, Elijah. He doesn't tell Elijah what this widow's going to look like. Where's the description? Uh, not there. He doesn't tell Elijah where he's going to live in Zarephath. Like, what, what are the accommodations like? doesn't tell, he just says, go. And he doesn't tell Elijah how long... He'll be there. Would you go? See, all these essential, quote-unquote, questions that we ask, that we hinge our faith upon, well, if I just can see how it's going to work, then I'll go, and our faith is hinged on that. Being answered before we'll trust God's word. God just says this. He skips past all that, like he does with us today. And he says, go, and I've appointed a widow to feed you. Would you go? How about right now in that situation? Would you go? Take the step? Follow him? Trust his word? Would you trust God's word when, when the drought happens? When the brook's drying up? Would you trust that God sees and has a plan and know what he's doing? Hey, let's bring it into today. How about these last two years? A lot of brooks have dried up, haven't they? Brooks of freedom and, and rights and um, opportunities, and conveniences. Brooks dried up, hasn't it? Jobs, finances, opportunities. Brooks dried up, hasn't it? Welcome to Zerafat. Welcome to Zarephath. How's the refining going? Are we faithful? Or are we grumbling? How's the refining going? Be honest before the Lord. He knows it better than you anyway. I think we need to spend some time repenting of our complaining of going to Zarephath. See, here's what we need to understand. You'll see it on the screen faith is rarely forged in your comfort zone. I'll say it again. Faith is rarely forged in your comfort zone or mine. When the brook is gushing. When the cost isn't too high. When the sacrifice doesn't have to be made. Faith is not forged there. God is sovereign and has a plan. Will you trust his word when you can't see? Will you humble yourself under his word, church? Cling to him and follow him through it, believing that he sees the whole picture. God sees it, he knows what's coming for Elijah. It's like he knows that same for us today. And he knows exactly what needs to happen and when. When it doesn't make sense, will you trust him? When everything in you wants to do your own thing, in your own way, and your own time, and you want to grasp at control, when you want to stay in your comfort zone and not follow the Lord on the path of faith, because you're scared and wondering if you can trust him. What's that situation right now? What is it? Just write it down and get it before the Lord. So, Lord, I don't want to go there. That's my Zarephath. I don't want to go. Where is that for you? That situation right now where that brook's drying up. To walk the path of faith, not fear, you must trust that God has a plan. He's sovereign, and he's already worked it out, just like he did for Elijah. He already commanded that widow. He already appointed her. And the result of this trust, secondly, we see this. To walk the path of faith, not fear, You must place God first along that path and have Him as your priority. Place Him first as your priority. Faith declares what God says goes. Question, examination time, is God your priority in all things at all times? Is He? Let's look at verse 2nd half of 10 all the way to fourteen. And he called to her, that is Elijah, calls to the widow, and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Uh, You're in the middle of a drought. It's not exactly your introduction that you and I would go for. It's like, hey, I'm Elijah. Do you know anything about me? No, didn't give you the 411? Okay. He just says, hey, please bring some water. (laughs) And as she was going to bring that, so she's going to get the water... He called her and said, "Uh, yeah, also, bring me a morsel of bread. Feed me, please. Okay. He's just up in the ante, huh? And she said, as the Lord your God, circle the word your, that's going to be very important when we get to it next week, Lord willing. You'll see. Circle the word your. She said, as the Lord your God lives. She's not a worshiper of Yahweh. She's a worshiper of Baal and false gods. Look at the mercy of God, eh? As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in. Listen to the hopelessness and despair that I may go in, prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. That's as good as it gets for me. We're at the end of the rope. Look at 14, 13. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you've said. What? Yeah, go eat and die. But, but before you die, and we got to up Elijah's shepherding game, huh? It's a little rough, huh? Yeah, go do as you said. Okay, just eat and die. But before you do that, look at this. First, make me a little cake. Feed me, please, then die. That is amazing. I just love God's word. It's our God bless. And hey, side point here. God loves to bless and bewilder us, doesn't He? Just bewildering. What uh, uh, you're gonna go eat? But first, and die. But first, make me a cake and bring it to me. And then afterward, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord. Here comes the word of the Lord. The God of Israel. The jar oh, Awesome. The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. See, we had Elijah's faith being tested, even going to Zarephath. Now watch what God does. In addition to testing Elijah's faith, he's now testing the faith of the widow. Here goes, to see if she will trust that God will provide for her. As she obeys his word and keeps him as her priority, even in her dire situation. Now remember, this widow is destitute and poor and hopeless. Just look at the text, just hopeless. we're gonna die. This is it. Probably filled with fear and anxiety, grief. And she fully expects this to be the last meal for her and her son. Hey, by the way, unverified uh, Jewish tradition says that her son was Jonah the prophet. It's unverified. Jewish tradition, but it's pretty cool if he was, huh? It's pretty cool either way, but he's preparing Jonah's faith, if that's the case. That's pretty neat. Anyway, side point. And yet, in verses 10 and 11, when Elijah sees her, notice what he asks her for. Two things. But notice, it wasn't just Elijah asking. As God's prophet, it's God asking. It's God asking. Through Elijah. He doesn't just ask her for water, but he also asks for a morsel. Circle the word morsel, it means a scrap of bread. Like a scrap, a little tiny bit. In the middle of a drought, and in this lady's desperate situation, notice verse 12, she says, As the Lord your God lives. That's your God, that's not mine. She's Gentile. She's worshiping Baal. She says, I have nothing baked. I have no food, not even a scrap. Only, she only has a handful of flour and a little oil in a jug, and she's in the process of gathering the sticks to bake it over a fire and eat it as the last meal with her son before they die. Hey, you think, you think, think of God. God just bewilders us sometimes eh? with his wisdom. You think if there was anyone, God would ever let off the hook of maybe not keeping him as the priority. It might be this lady. Like, look after yourself first. Look out for your own needs first. And then make me a priority again when you're comfortable. It's not what God's asking her. It's not what he's asking us today. What he does, he calls her to something greater, to someone greater than herself. What does he do? He calls her to faith in him. This is where the path of faith always leads us, to someone greater than ourselves. He says, you put your own needs second you keep me as your priority right now. Even when you're at the end of the rope. And watch what happens. Welcome to the furnace of faith. Right there. And then verses 13 and 14, God speaks through Elijah and says, Do not fear. Go and bake the bread. But don't make it for yourselves first. Make it for me. What's he saying there? Give it to the Lord. Give the Lord your first fruits. Give the Lord your first fruits. Serve the Lord. Prioritize the Lord first above all, not yourself. Don't get stingy with the Lord. Don't become inwardly. Don't we like to do that in the trial? We make it all about us, and our focus gets off the Lord and comes inward to us. I'll get back to, students, I'll get back to the Lord after the exam period. God's like, no, 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 no. You prioritize me right in that. I'll get back to you, Lord, when when I get that opportunity, or I get the job, or or I just get through this trial, and this, no, 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 prioritize me right in it. Right in it. You want to see my glory? You want to see my provision? I'm leading you to someone greater than yourself, and your pride, and your selfishness. This is what God's calling out of her, very gently, very lovingly. And once you've done that, notice what he says right from the text. Once you've done that, go and prepare more for yourself and your son. Because the Lord has said that the jar of flour won't be spent and the jug of oil will not be empty until rain comes. Put yourself in the widow's shoes. Watch this. Watch this. Okay. Here you go. Anyone can see this? Online, can you see? Oh, I guess you can't answer. Okay, there you go. A little flour, a little oil. This is what she has. Would you keep God first? Or would you look to meet your own needs first? Who would be your priority in this moment? Right here. Be honest. This is all all you have. Would you give the bread? Would you give the first fruits to God still as your priority? Would you obey God's word? In your trial, in your situation, right now, think of what you're facing. Would you keep the Lord your priority? Or would you make your priority yourself? This is what the Lord's calling her out and what the path of faith always calls us out of, ourselves. It's convicting, isn't it? Don't forget, your very survival's at stake. Do do you think she's being tempted right there when she hears this to hang on a little bit and say, uh... I gotta feed my, I gotta feed my kid first. I gotta feed myself. You think she's being tempted with? It? She's human, right? Would you and I be tempted with that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not offer it to the Lord. And you may say this. If you're like me, I read this. Oh man, this series. I'm getting so crushed on. Praise the Lord. But it's like, uh, you may say this. If, this is so hard. Would this be hard? Can we just say this is really hard? This is really hard. Um, I want you to remember this. God knows what she has, but God knows who he is. I'll say it again. God knows what she has. He sees the flower, he sees the oil, but he knows who he is. He knows what he's able to do with that flower and that oil. And he knows who he is and he wants her to know it too. He wants her to know who he is too. And he knows that if she obeys, if, it's all hinging on it right here, if she chooses to trust him and walk by faith and get past herself and prioritize him, this provision's a done deal. You'll see it on the screen, it bears repeating. I'll leave these here as a reminder for us and try not to knock them over. bears repeating. Right now in your situation, God knows what you have, but he knows who he is. He knows who he is. See, and here's the key to this part of the text. Don't miss it. He's offering her something much greater than physical bread. God's offering her himself. True. Life in him. And he's offering us this today. Will you prioritize him to get him? Or will you run from the furnace and miss him every time? See, faith declares what God says goes. Hope Ottawa, is he your priority in all things? All things. Even when the brook's drying up. And the temptation is to go inward. Don't do it. Don't do it. You want to see God's provision? You want to see his power in the life of faith? Don't. Don't turn inward. Turn upward. This is what he's calling this lady to. What he's calling Elijah to. Do not turn inward. Turn upward. Is he your priority? Will you follow him? Will you follow his word? Keeping him, loved ones, as your greatest priority in each situation. Seeking his face. Clinging to his word giving him your first fruits of your time, of your talent, of your treasure. Will you continue to prioritize him, even when the brook's drying up? Even when the oil is down to that and the flower's there? Barely a handful. The life of faith will keep him first, because that's what he commands. And knowing that no matter what's happening to you, he will use it all for his glory and your good as he grows your faith in him. Hey, loved ones, you cannot outgive God. Amen. You and I cannot outgive God. All we see is what we think we have left. God sees the abundant storehouse that is waiting, of his presence, of his provision that is waiting for the one who says, God, you first, what you say goes. I'm not gonna subjugate. You is the priority for these earthly things. I'm running to you, and you may say this: Maybe you're here today, oh, going through these last two weeks. I just feel like so crushed in so many ways. I just feel like I don't have much to give, Lord. I don't have much strength. Like right here, I don't. I don't have much, much strength. I, I don't have much time. I don't. I don't have many resources. I just, I just don't have it. And can I, can I encourage you this? What John Piper put it this way. He said, what, what matters is not how much you have, but if it is utterly devoted to the priority of God. What matters is not how much you have, but if it is utterly devoted to the priority of God. Our, our service team, just before the service was experiencing that very thing, If it's utterly devoted to the priority of God today, are you maximizing just lose some exam? Let's get some examination here. Ready? Are you maximizing your time with God as your priority? If you looked at your schedule, are you maximizing Him as your priority? Giving Him the priority in your schedule. What does that mean? Abiding with Him. It means to remain with Him in His word, clinging to it, in prayer. In prayer, Elijah, normal guy, extraordinary God, had a fervent prayer life. Just look at James 5.17. There it is. And I love how Piper goes on to say this. He says, one of the greatest uses of Twitter and Facebook, and by extension you say, well, I've got Instagram, all social media, will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from a lack of time. One of the greatest uses of social media is that. Are you maximizing your time? Take a break for a week and use every moment you would scroll or post to go to the Lord in prayer. Post up to God. Try that. And watch what happens. Watch what happens. See, prayerlessness is never from a lack of time but a lack of priority. Because God is not your priority. Love you. Love you so much. My soul needs to hear that too. Will you abide in him in obedience, in your business, in your busyness, in your exams this summer? Don't let your faith take a vacation. Stay fervent, stay gathering, stay grabbing God's word in fellowship. Don't, don't, don't forsake that. In your families, are you maximizing your time in in the priority of God around the kitchen table with your kids, with your with your spouse? Is he the is he the priority? There's life waiting, loved ones. He's waiting. Saying, I'm not listening to the wisdom of world. I'm not listening to my feelings. I'm listening to the Lord. How about this? Are you maximizing? Am I maximizing my talents with God as my priority? Prioritizing the use of your gifts and abilities. How he calls us to in his word. We see all throughout the word. Extending your home for hospitality. Serving one another in one of the ministries in the church. Ephesians 4. See it built up as every joint is doing its part. Are you serving in the church using your gifts? Are you serving outside the church? It's not one or the other, it's both. We see it all throughout God's word, it's both. Are we maximizing that, loved ones? How about this? Are we maximizing your treasure with God as your priority? Even in this economic downturn, just think about this. Giving him your first... Talk about an economic downturn. And yet God calls her to have him is the priority. Giving him your first fruits of wealth and finances, generously, sacrificially, even in today's economy. Giving them joyfully, cheerfully, not stingy, not clinging, not grumbling. Knowing that God has promised to meet all of your needs if you're saved in Jesus Christ. Loved ones, welcome to Zarephath. There's the school of faith, right there. And it's so radical. Get this, you'll see it on the screen. Because so often when we're in that trial, when we're being crushed, when the doubt is intense and being tempted, in our lives. So often our cry is this, Lord, I just want to get through. Have you ever ever prayed that? Lord, I just want to get through this. Lord, I just want to get through. Of course we have. I have, you have. Lord, I just want to get through. But look, the cry of faith says, Lord, I just want to get you. There's the priority. Knowing he will take you through. He will take you through. But will you get him? That's what's up for grabs. Lord, I just want to get through. Or, Lord, I just want to get you. Take me. Do what you need. I will follow. I'm not going to just prioritize you later. You are my joy, my prize, my hope, my greatest reward. I will trust you and follow you. And at this point, when you get to that place right there, saying, Lord, increase my faith. At this point, the fear of losing earthly stuff, the fear of losing earthly status is obliterated by courageous faith. Bam. Unbelief gets a good punch in the face at that moment. Will he be your priority? To walk the path of faith, not fear, you must trust God as a plan, and he's sovereign, loved ones. He's not taken by surprise, and no purpose of his can be thwarted. You must place God first as your priority at all times, all things. And lastly, we finish off with this. As you place him first, you got to trust that he is faithful. You got to trust that he's going to keep his word. Amen. There's only so much oil in that jar. You must trust that he is faithful and he's the promise keeper. He's the promise keeper. God will always fulfill his word. Here's the question: and it all comes down to will you trust him and obey? Path of fear, path of faith. Will you trust him? And obey. Look at 15 and 16. This is so, so good. And she went and did as Elijah said. Notice the condition. She had to move. God just didn't deliver another jar on her doorstep. She had to sacrifice. She had to move by faith, trusting God will fulfill his word. So often we just say, Lord, just give me the provision. He's like, okay, get up and go, and I'll show you it the getting up and going part we struggle with. But she went and did, as Elijah said, and she and her household, look at this, ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent. Neither did the jug of oil become empty. And here's the ticket right here. Circle it. According to the word of the Lord. God always... according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. See, not surprisingly, as she obeys the word of God, she keeps him as priority, she gives him his first portion. All that she had, not some of it. No, there's nothing in there about, okay, I'll measure it out, maybe I'll keep a little bit for myself. She followed exactly. The jar of flour and the jug of oil never ran dry just as the Lord, through Elijah, said it would happen. Why? Because God always keeps his word. And notice, I want you to notice something here, because this is where the prosperity gospel treads this ground right here. Man, does it ever look. You just have some faith, you have enough faith, and you believe, and God's going to give you everything that you want. God's going to lock you up with full cupboards and, and, and a full bank account and, and lots, of, lots of cars and you're not going to get sick. And if, you, if that's happening and that, none of that's happening, it's because you don't have enough faith. That's a lie from the pit of hell. But we subtly believe it, don't we? Well, God, I'm following you. I should have this. I should have. No, 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 no. Listen, listen to this. We're not talking about a prosperity gospel. God didn't load her up with pounds and pounds of flour and oil all at once, did he? Did he? Rather, what did he ensure? She had her daily bread. Now, think about this. I love narratives like this. You just live right in the text. Exit. out, watch this. Picture this, you're the widow. Each morning, she comes. She comes to the cupboard. Maybe the first morning, she's like, is there going to be any flour there? Is there going to be any oil? It's there! There it is again. And then the next morning, she comes. Okay, yeah, God did it that day, but... Is it there? Son, can you check? Can you check? It's there then you get a month in, and you've seen God's faithfulness again, and again, and again. Guess what? She gets up out of bed. There it is. Thank you, Lord. What an incredible picture. Again, and again, and again. Can you see her faith growing each day? Can you just see that? There's no more... It's like, I know the Lord's faithful. Covered open. Let's go. Next cake. Next cake. I don't have to worry about tomorrow's stuff. Because he's going to provide that too. Her, look at her trust in the Lord growing. And I want to remind us of this. I said it last time. Uh, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. He's going to take care of business. If it's God's will... It's God's will, And you say, well, how do I know if something's God's will? You ever ask that question? Lord, how do I know if this is your will? Well, the answer's in the text. Did you catch it? The answer's in the text. How do I know if it's God's will? Well, um, the word of God is the will of God. Notice verse 16. According to the word of the Lord. The word of God is the will of God. You don't need to go outside to some person claiming to be a prophet to understand God's will. The word of God is the will of God, according to the word of the Lord. See right there? I love how Matthew 6.33 says it this way. Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right after he told them to not be anxious about their life. That he would provide their basic needs for them, like he does with the birds and the flowers. Seek first the kingdom of God. What's that? Priority. And his righteousness. What's that? Holiness. And all these things that you need will be added to you. Doesn't mean your cupboards are going to be stocked. It's going to mean you're going to have everything you need to follow the Lord and do what he says. To see him glorified. But you know this hits me. As I was reviewing it today, um, I realized that one of the greatest killers of courageous faith and following God's path of faith in our lives is that we are just not content with him as our priority and to live on his daily bread. We want more. That's one of the greatest killers of courageous faith. I'm not content with daily bread. Jesus isn't enough. Is it for you? Is that what's holding you back? Speaking to someone right now, besides me. God will always fulfill his word. Will you trust him and obey? See, out of 3,000 plus promises, he's never broken one. And he's not about to start now. Ever. Remember this on the screen. Because God is faithful to keep his word You must walk by faith and not fear. Is the daily bread enough for you? Is he enough for you? See, to walk the path of faith, not fear, you must trust that God has a plan and he's sovereign. He's already appointed the means. You must place God first as your priority, even when that brook seems to be drying up. And you must trust his faithfulness, that he's a promise keeper, and he will not forsake his word. Welcome to the school Faith, Hope Ottawa. Welcome to the school of faith. And here's the key we see right in the text out of God, out of his mercy towards this pagan worshiping Gentile woman, he provided the bread to give her physical life, didn't he? He's calling her to himself. And we'll see what happens next week. Tune in, come back, let's go. We'll see what happens next week. He provided her bread to give her physical life, and today. He's extended his mercy to us again in the greatest way he could have. Not giving us physical bread, but by giving us the bread of life himself, Jesus Christ, his son. Amen? Do you see that? All roads lead to Jesus in every text. All roads lead to Jesus. And so here he's providing physical bread, but this is just a snapshot of the spiritual bread, the bread of life that's coming next for her, and that is available for you and I today. Jesus says in John 6, 35, he says, I am, love this, love this, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. This jar of flour, it's not going down. You will never not be satisfied in Jesus, ever. You cannot look at the face of Jesus and say, I'm not satisfied. It's not going to happen. Because when you get a glimpse of the face of Christ, you look at the rest of this world for what it is and say, I'm not satisfied with that. I want you. You will never look in the face of Christ and be disappointed. But this is... Of ones, Jesus is the bread of life. He never runs dry. Will you come to him? And here's what we got to realize, what we see in this text right here. You'll see it on the screen. Jesus is the prize the path of faith always leads us to. Jesus is the prize. The physical bread is a picture of the bread of life. Just like the physical bread is giving your life now, it's a picture of the bread of life that is to come. Jesus is the prize. Will you forsake Jesus for earthly bread? Because you can't see how he's going to provide? Will you forsake Jesus for earthly status? Because you're like, well, what will happen if I get my job? What will happen if I am more sacrificed? You're going to miss him. That's what's going to happen. Will you, will you follow him even when you're being tested and refined, loved ones? Do not fear it. And if you're here and you've never confessed Jesus as your personal Savior, oh, loved one, just hear the word of the Lord today. Hear the word of the Lord today, believe. His word is to believe, to trust in him. That He is the son of God, fully God, fully me. He's the greater Elijah. And he came down to earth because he loves you. He loves you so much, more than you love yourself, more than anyone else ever could. He loves you. Hey, kids, Jesus came. Listen, listen, kids, up here, eyes up. Yeah, right there. Kids, listen up. Jesus came to earth to die for you because he loves you. He's like, enough with the the physical bread of this world. You come to me, I'm going to give you satisfaction you don't know about right now. You trust me as your priority in your life. When you go back into those classrooms in just a few weeks, maybe some of y'all are starting a new school. Listen, you're not alone in that classroom. Your Lord, your King, your Savior. He's with you and he loves you. He's like, you come to me, I'll satisfy you. Enough running. Believe that he's the son of God, fully God, fully man, sent to earth, and he lived a perfect life. You say, this is so hard to do. He trusted God, was faithful all time. He believed God had a sovereign plan. He was the sovereign plan of God. And he kept his father's business the priority. He says, I have not come to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. There's Jesus all over the text. And he's ready to give us all we need. And if you've never trusted him as your savior today, he's made so clear, repent of your sin, turn from it. Just like he's calling this woman out. Enough of the worshiping of this world. Enough of trusting other idols and call on his name and say, Jesus, I believe you are the Lord and the only savior. I turn from my sin and I submit to you, my Lord and my God, and you will be saved. Start eating from the buffet of the bread of life right there. Don't fear it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for your word. It's so good. It's so enriching for the soul. so convicting. Lord, I pray all over this place right now that we wouldn't be shuffling all over. Things like that. Just take this moment to respond and reflect. Because what we're about to sing only comes from a willingness, if we mean it, to walk along the path of faith, to say, Christ is enough for me. Lord Jesus, I pray right now for those people who've never tasted the bread of life, that today they'd be tasting and seeing that you are good and calling on your name, repenting of sin. And for those of us, Lord, who have made that decision are your children. Lord, I ask for help. I ask for help. This this Gentile woman believed the word of God. Oh, Lord, how much more? should I be believing it as your son? Lord, let us not fear. This is not fear time. This is faith time. The brook has dried up in many ways, and yet you are so faithful. Faithful then, faithful now. Jesus over everything. Let's pray, or let's stand and respond in worship.